0: The program which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM.
1: You're listening to Very Loose Women. You're listening to Very Loose Women on Resonance 104.4 <laughs> FM with me, Emma Grenfeld. I'm Catherine Johnston. I'm Lena Oshik. Um, so Lily's been back in the UK and actually back on our airwaves for two weeks now. But we've unfortunately or fortunately had such brilliant guests that we haven't really been able to give her a proper welcome back to the studio. If you're wondering about who those brilliant guests were, they were Saudi poet Hala Ali and fossil fuel divestment campaigner Julia Christian. And if you're interested in listening to either of those or both of those episodes, check out our podcast on Acast or on iTunes simply by searching Very Least Women. That was totally seamless. Professional. (laughs) So, also um, as well as forgetting about Lily for a couple of weeks, um, we've also forgotten a bit about one of our favourite segments, which is Gripe of the Week, where we kind of share maybe minor, hopefully minor, um, gripe or moan about something that's happened this week. So, Catherine, have you got a gripe this week?
0: Yeah, I'm worried that mine's going to get me arrested, or I don't know. Can't wait. What did you do? Um, I went to the Lambeth Country Show, Brockwell Park. Which is just, it's just a huge piss up. There are loads of educational things and family things. You can watch the sheep shearing. You can hold an owl uh, for two (laughs) pounds. There are some big rabbits. There's loads of stuff to do. Camel racing, I remember last year. Camel racing, yeah. There's a family that own camels and they race them. We think they live in Crystal Palace. We're not sure. Don't know where the camels live. Uh, But there's loads going on. But it's fair to say that it's mostly a a booze kind of fest. Um and you know there's there's a number of a limited number of toilets Uh admittedly my flat is like a 10 minute walk away but I timed it all very badly and then we wanted to queue for a ride and like the queues for the loos were just massive so obviously there's just people left right and center urinating openly in public it's it's quite intimidating I didn't like it but I did have to um I had an urgent situation and I did have to find a um A a kind of reclusive, a a quiet spot, a reclusive latrine, I was going to say. But yeah, quiet spot uh, covers (laughs) it (laughs) as well. (laughs) So I had to crawl underneath a Rhododendron and find a patch and feel safe and all the rest of it. Um, And then while I was doing it, the amount of rubbish around me, it really upset me whilst i was urinating in a public park so i understand the irony but it upset me that there was rubbish around me like crisp packets and um, drug paraphernalia and new sanitary towels it was absolutely disgusting so what's your gripe so your gripe is the rubbish or having to pee it's a double gripe i guess it's, yeah it's just the whole thing the whole thing i'm disgusted at myself at everyone else um at the lack of public toilets I have to say, I don't know what the opposite of a gripe is, because we mainly gripe on this show, but
1: the opposite of that could have been, once you realise that you live so close to um, the country fair, county fair, every time I get confused, mm. country fair, you could have hired out your toilets for a small fee. You could have made millions <laughs> could on that. people Exactly. Two pounds for a week.
0: I know, but think of the footfall in your bathroom, like you'd be cleaning the place up for about a week after. I just don't think that be would be, worth be practical. It.
2: Cool. Um <laughs>
0: Leonore, what's your gripe this week? So
2: my gripe actually happened last week, if that's okay. I'm sorry. Gripe at the fortnight, go on. Thank you. So I cut my hair in Bougainville as a sort of like, oh, I'm going to cut my hair thing. And then (laughs) that was exactly what it was. (laughs) <laughs> Fantastic. You, cut you your hadn't hair, seen cut your anyone for about <laughs> six months in that. What was mean, I literally hadn't cut my hair in like two years. So it was quite a moment for me. And then I get to London. And I'm like, oh, I should get this tidied up. And then the morning of my haircut, I had actually forgotten that I was going to go have a haircut. And I was like, I'd like it shorter. So I start cutting my hair. And then remember, like literally at the nape of my neck, that I have a, a haircut that day. So you had a pre-haircut cut. Yeah. And so it was like really short on one side and then really long on the other. That's fashionable. I've got an asymmetric bob. Well, really. and then I'm so I go to the hairdresser and they're like, well, we can't do this, this and this and this because your hair's too like messed up. And so now I've got a haircut that I don't really like. And it's not like a statement haircut. I wanted like a short, short hair haircut. And I didn't have the guts to like go ahead with my short hair thing because I wanted them to shave at the back. That's what I like about bobs. And now it's just like below the ears and it's just kind of it doesn't even look like a like... Anything. It
0: are you just... saying you've got a bob?
2: Yeah, no. Have but... you got a bob? I, don't, I don't know what it Posh is. Bob? Like if you cut it in the middle I look like some like like I'm in blur in the mid nineties and you've got
0: curtains.
2: Yeah, oh completely. That's cool. The nineties no. are in. No, but then they're, they're not for the way my face works. Oh my gosh! You do look like um, (laughs) nine (laughs) one one.
0: Ben from A one, perhaps. Great. Yeah, Um, no, I think I think A one, A for nine one one, or maybe or maybe Richie from Five, (laughs) one One of of the ones. Something Something with a number in it. Delicate features. Thank you so much,
2: guys. I feel so great about myself right (laughs) now. But when
0: you (laughs) had that top bit in the scrunchie, it looked quite cool. Like Emma's, you've got basically the same haircut. No, I don't. Just that Emma's That's got shaving gripe in is. the your back. Gripe
1: is that you've got the same haircut as me. Thanks, Lily. Well, moving on to my <laughs> own gripe, which isn't that you've just insulted me on live radio, um, but it is about you, Lily. Earlier on, I was at a supermarket chain, which I won't name, and I was at the <laughs> self-service till just paying for my crisps, and Lily came along, put her face right in my face and said, (laughs) have you got dry skin? Now, everyone who knows me knows I pride myself on my perfect skin, and it was a hurtful comment. (laughs) Luckily, it was followed up by, oh no, that's just glitter. But now, I'm kind of worried that my glitter looks like dry skin,
2: although I was relieved that it was just glitter. But I think it's worth mentioning that I've written a song about how great your skin is in the past. Exactly, so how could you hurt me like that? I was just very shocked that you would have dry skin, and so I immediately... (laughs) But like,
0: this out. said it oh, really loudly and face. really, like, so close to her face. <laughs> Emma had her hood up and you still <laughs> saw it, even though half her face
2: was, was obscured. I mean, if anything, that leaps to my defence because I couldn't see her face properly.
0: I, don't I know stopped what to make of it. paying for my own sweets <laughs> to intervene because it looked like there was a row happening. It was hurtful.
1: Okay, anyway. Um, so, Lily, you've recently come back from eight
2: months in Bougainville. We First have. of all... Where
1: is Bougainville?
2: Because I, I, I told this guy who was doing like a door-to-door thing um, just before I left. He was, And he was like, oh, Papua New Guinea. It's in Papua New Guinea, by the way. He Spoiler. Was like, <laughs> Papua New Guinea. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to Papua New Guinea, so I can't go to your meeting. I'm sorry. I don't think I would have gone anyway, but it was a great get-out clause. And he's like, oh, watch out for Ebola. And I was like, well, it's not in Africa, so... <laughs> I won't get a bowler, but thank you. Um, it's actually just above Australia. Um, but Bougainville is the island that's furthest away from the point that's near Australia, and it's actually close to the Solomon Islands. It's part of the range of islands of the Solomon Islands, if you know where that is.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and where does the name come from? And is it related to the Bougainville, Bougainville plants?
2: So I think that the story is, it's Louis-Antoine de Bougainville, who was like a French explorer in the 1700s, who actually never actually set foot on the island of Bougainville. He set foot on Booker Island. Um, and... So the the island was named after him because he was there. So in French, you'd say Bougainville, but people in Bougainville, in Papua New Guinea, in Australia, in Australia just call it Bougainville. Um, but then Bougainville, Bougainville, I think, is also named after that guy. So I think that's... Related, but not the same. Yeah, exactly. And what language do they speak there? So they like linguistically, it's super diverse. So there are between 21 and 28 languages, depending on which... Uh, literature you look at um, so each area of the island has a different language um, but then as a kind of administrative unifying language they have Tok Pisin which is um, a kind of English but that is has a different grammar. Cool. Yeah. Okay so how did you end up going there? So I ended up going because I used to go out with someone who worked at Resonance and um, went on a three-week um, trip uh, to Papua New Guinea and for like, sorry I said three weeks but I actually meant was three months and he went with a camera and he uh, and he emailed like different radio stations there and one radio station got back to him a community radio station in Bougainville and Booker Island and and um, So he just went there and he was going to stay like 10 days, but he really got on with the guy who managed the radio station and ended up staying for like the full two and a half months or three months, whatever was left of his holiday, and just began to interview people. So there was a a civil war there that they call the Bougainville Crisis between 1988 and 2001, I guess. And so he was interviewing the participants of this uh, this war and he just did interview after interview. And then at the end of his stay there with uh, the guy who runs the radio station, they applied for a fund. Uh, to be able to do the project that we were doing, I can talk we'll more discuss. about yeah in due course. So can you tell us a bit about this radio station?
0: And because Resonance is a community radio station, yeah. I think lots of people who listen to Resonance kind of get the sense that you know we have a really diverse audience base and lots of interesting shows. But like internationally, community radio is actually a bit of a movement, isn't it?
2: New Dawn FM, which was the radio station, it's, it's enormous. And actually, if you want to donate to anything on Bougainville, then donate to New Dawn FM. It's, if you type in Bougainville, all the information that you get about that island and all of the positive information, information crucially, not just the information about the crisis, is going to be from New Dawn FM. Its, it's motto is Strengthening Autonomy uh, Through Community Radio it's it's a really vital part of the community because it's the only independent news that they have access to on the island. Um, it's, re- it's recently, like while I was there, broadened its remit to outside of North Bougainville. So it's covering almost the whole of the island. And for a lot of people, it's the only way for people to access information. So it's absolutely huge what they're doing. And what's incredible is Mr. Laukai, the guy who runs the station, is doing it all off his own back. So he got an initial like small funding from like UNESCO and from various governments. But Since then he's just been really funding it on on his own and because he's got a shop and he's got various businesses and he just uses that money from those businesses to keep this going because he sees that it's a valuable community endeavour to keep going. It's really incredible. He also does training. So he trains people for I think it's a couple of months. They get paid and they get expenses throughout their training and then afterwards they've got a kind of uh, thing that they can prove that they've gone out and done it. And then a lot of those people that he's trained then go on to work for the station as well. So, the whole thing's
0: kind of based around giving like people in the community a voice and actually giving like fair, unbiased news rather than say like government news or Absolutely. negative kind of foreign press news. And it's
2: also community focused which is something that doesn't happen elsewhere on the island because NBC the national broadcast, this is all hearsay because I, d- I didn't actually listen to that radio station the national radio uh, broadcast from Port Moresby and so it's, so there's a very small po- portion of their schedule that's actually recorded on Bougainville whereas New Dawn FM it's entirely from Bougainville, it's all going to be relevant to their politics. In terms of the fact that it's unbiased yeah.
0: and so, the foreign press I think probably like you were saying before Tends to kind of focus on the more negative aspects. Yeah, like, this so is foreign a press is going to focus on the
2: mine. There's a there's a disused mine that's been disused since 1988, and a lot of the press about Wokingville revolves around that mine. But the truth is, is that you've got um, health news, you've got politics, you've got a whole range of news that just doesn't make it interna- into international media. Um, but what what really changed my mind about how to report independent media while I was there was the people on staff are really aware that they're in a post-conflict situation. Mm-hmm. And so I went in with all of my like BBC-trained ideals of like you just have to say neutrally what's going on, you have to report everything, whereas, whereas actually there are things that they wouldn't put on live radio because it would create conflict uh, in the community, and he's really aware of that. And so there are things that won't be reported to keep the peace, which is something I never really thought of, but it's actually really, really re- relevant mm. to that particular um, and I don't think other radio stations or definitely not international media would do that. Um,
1: so before we get into exactly what you were doing when you were there, before you went, what were you most scared about or most concerned about?
2: Malaria. Like, I that is what I was most scared about. Because I, I, know, I know that it's like, a, like, it used to be a war zone. And, but I knew from Tom that it was just 100% safe, like, and that he had no trouble. And I knew that it was going to be safe. There are guns on the island, but I, there was no reason for anyone to shoot me. Like, it's... I know that it's safe from that perspective. It's a non-violent, definitely a very peaceful community. But yeah, malaria or just a range of diseases because they have less healthcare infrastructure. So I was just worried about worried about all of that. But I took my precautions, took doxycycline to- every day. So Did you get any
1: weird dreams? Or is that not one of the ones? I would, that No, that's larium. Okay. I wouldn't take
2: that. Yeah, that makes me... Um, okay, so now we can talk about what actually were you doing there? So the funding that New Dawn FM applied for was to make uh, six awareness videos so in 2001 um, a peace agreement was signed called the Bougainville Peace Agreement uh, which not all parties but most parties signed at the time that stipulated a range of things like like cease, ceasefire and then amnesty for um, combatants and things like that. But what we wanted to make the films about, what well, the idea of New Dawn FM was to make the films about, was referendum because they have a referendum coming up between 2015 and 2020 on independence from Papua New Guinea, which was one of the reasons the war became secessionist in parts and uh, for a number of years. Um, and then also the various criteria of there being a referendum, so good governance, um and weapons disposal because people are still hanging on to their weapons and then also social issues so we also did it about government corruption which is kind of linked to the idea of good governance um and then missing persons which is a very specific thing that i actually didn't know anything about before going and doing the research on this um it's people who go missing during conflict um uh, times of conflict and then their bodies just aren't found so families can't grieve which um, happens in conflicts all around the world. So we work with the International Committee of the Red Cross to get that information across. Um, and then finally, um, War Widows. So we made a short film just reporting how uh, there wasn't enough support in the community for War Widows. There is
1: one that you told us about, not on not on air, that I thought was particularly interesting, which is one about I think it's a government corruption one. Yeah, can you explain
2: a little bit about that and who participated in the filming? So that one was kind of I I was really mistrustful when this went ahead because Tom had this crazy idea of like. He made this whole script about a dog who eats a coin and then turns into a corrupt politician. And then everyone who is influenced or does something corrupt then turns into a zombie. And I was like, this is not going to work. And then he wrote the script. And then we found a Catholic youth group and we shot it. And it was, like, by far the best received film. Everyone loved it, especially, like, we, we showed the films to... Um, a number of schools. That was, those were some of our h- biggest screenings. We screened to like um, a school of like 900 people, and they just loved that film. So it was super successful. Um, people like so the the kids from the youth group uh, they dressed up. They even dressed up as the dog, even though we were g- going to just have a dog for that. But the guy who played the dog was uh, by far our best actor, <laughs> and they were really funny. The actors um, kind of made it their own because we'd written it in English, and then they translated it as a group into Pisin. and so they kind of put their own edge on it. Um and it was just like it was just it's just a really funny piece of uh work It's really great, so when you're talking about that film, like obviously it's a really
0: serious topic, but clearly you're kind of using almost like it sounds like quite a funny story mm. um as a way of discussing it and opening it up so that just makes me wonder, um when you were thinking about the scripts and making the films, like what kind of audience were you making films for, for so like yeah. did they have um like is there a like a, um, a like film a cinema watching, culture. yeah, like a kind of culture of watching films. Like, do you have an idea of like what people kind of wanted? For- from you or did you make up as you went along based around what you knew about kind of cultural interests
2: so we were making these films with the radio station so we we're getting advice from them um but crucially we did we spent the first three months in bougainville doing surveys uh finding out what people already knew um and we did those surveys across different age groups gender and different parts of bougainville so we were very aware of what information needed to be distributed um so in terms of that, I was filling in. In terms of what you're talking about of the audiences and what they're used to, it really depends. So um, you have, I think, people who don't have access to a lot of media, and then people who maybe live in the urban, like more urban centres, who do a lot of file exchange and have seen a lot of films. And in terms of films that they like, um, I think it really depends on the people. I've heard like action things, and um, someone t- told us that people like more slapstick there as well, and especially because there are so like people are multilingual and a lot of films. Like you're not going to get any films in like Rottercast, for example, in some of the really obscure languages. So visual comedy works best, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And is so did you kind
0: of think when you started off, we're going to go down a kind of comedic, like quite metaphorical route? For so for for like the
2: other films we interviewed politicians and we like a lot of it was uh talking heads a lot of diagrams a lot of like getting the information across as efficiently and as clearly as possible there was a lot of that mm. um for corruption because we'd already kind of covered a lot of the material in good governance it was finding so it, with across the six videos we tried to find different ways uh, to approach the material which was a way for us to kind of do what we wanted in each film make it each one very different and so that one uh, it was to see it was kind of to test this is the first mobile cinema that project that we know of that's been done on Bougainville so it was to test the ground and to see how audiences responded and we did actually um, we we got a lot of feedback um, we were at all of the screenings and I was writing down feedback and two people um, of the 2300 Uh, And I didn't get feedback from all of them. So that sounds like a wrong statistic. But two people did come to me and say, like, when I asked them what their feedback was, that they would have liked the government corruption film to be approached more from a more of a serious like they Mm. wanted drama, but they didn't want the comedy in the drama. So there was a demand for that. But then also, like, we had crowds of people laughing. And that was definitely a film that engaged kids a lot more. Mm. And they liked to see kids on screen. As well. So how did the screenings actually work? How did you put them on? So we would, uh, we were traveling around in a Land Rover. We had two projectors and we had a sheet and we had a PA system because uh, we were with the radio station. And we'd every night, so we went for two weeks and every night we'd set up in a different place. Um, And also we do daytime screenings. So we went to schools. Uh, We would sometimes just sporadically set up in a marketplace if there were quite a few people gathered. And we wouldn't always play all six films. Sometimes we play one, uh, well, minimum two generally, um, or maybe four. And then in the evening screenings, which were more drawn out, we played all of the films. We were traveling with someone who used to work in the Autonomous Bougainville government's peace building department. And he was being funded by the referendum department to come around with us and uh, kind of source feedback and um hear what people had to say so he was uh, kind of leading the debates and he was really great his name is Dennis and he was um actually speaking in a lot of our films because he fought with the Bougainville Revolutionary Army which is the people not as part of the Papua New Guinea Defense Force but then also now works for the government so he's in that unique position of really having being respected by both sides so he was a really great person to have on our side and he would lead the debates um and field questions from the audience. So people were asking, like, if people do dispose of weapons, will we have to then rearm Bougainville if we become mm-hmm. independent? Other people were asking, like, um, what if we become independent? Can we still go to university in Papua New Guinea? Which are all, you know, some really legitimate, really interesting questions. And he was really good, well-placed to answer those. Um, so on, uh, kind of as a, on the trip as a whole, um, obviously the film,
1: the kind of mobile cinema sounds like it was a big highlight and one of the kind of main things you were doing. Um Aside from that, did you make any interesting friends?
2: Yeah, so we made really good friends with the obviously the New Dawn family because we were living with them. So that was uh, really, really lovely and I think definitely lasting friendship, especially uh, the two kids to like the head of radio station's grandchildren they're just brilliant and then other than that it was like we started off thinking like we were the only non-bougainvillians in bougainville and then we ended up by when we left having really close friends from like australia germany nepal like all over the world um so we kind of formed our kind of foreigners group which is a bit weird but i guess like people in bougainville have their lives to be getting on with and don't like i don't know really want to make friends with people who are leaving in like four months i can understand that
0: yeah, it sounds like you were getting out and about and meeting people as well. Yeah, we
2: actually had a film club. I think you yeah. missed
1: out one of the most, like one of the biggest friends that you made on your, on your <laughs> yeah, travel. I wasn't so. thinking
2: about Australia. So yeah, when we went to, so uh, we went to um, Melbourne to edit the films and we stayed with Esther, your mum. My mum. Been Thank on you. the show a number of times and we had a lovely, lovely time. She showed us around Melbourne. We went to animal sanctuaries. I saw loads of like Australian wildlife that I definitely wouldn't have seen if your mum hadn't been like, she bought, you should she bought see you this and free treats so many gluten-free treats yeah it was Um, wonderful tom got attacked by a kookaburra as well when we went for a picnic yeah so you're home now how did it feel to come home quite disorientating is that a word yeah so i got lost on the train a couple of times i'm getting fed up with using the phone but also i'm addicted to it i i guess i'm just becoming a proper londoner again very quickly and what did you miss
1: most about being in the uk when you're my home?
2: friends i'm yeah, very being least women the yeah there you go um oh, i forgot to say i forgot to get you to say what was the first song that we heard Oh, yeah. So that was Please Call Me by the Hamara Bamboo Band of Pororan. Pororan is an island uh, north of Booker, and we went there a couple of times. Uh, But that that band actually doesn't exist anymore. But you can find that track on my SoundCloud. I can post it on the Acast uh, podcast of our show. I just wanted to ask, like, while you were there, did you think this is
0: it for the trip or do you see yourself going back and doing like a follow-up project i definitely
2: want to go back because um there's so there's this referendum i think it's scheduled to happen in 2019 but that's subject to change um and i want to be there when the vote happens to see mm. you know which way it goes and i feel like very emotionally invested in uh, the history and the people that i met there and stuff and laokho's family so the the radio station family is still going to be there when I go back. And they said, come back whenever you want. You should have a volunteer teaching post. Tom can come back and make more films. So, yeah, I definitely, definitely am going to go back. But it's so far, it's like like diametrically the opposite side of the world to London. It's, it's a, a lot for my carbon footprint.
1: Um, What way did you, like, from the kind of the talks that you were having there, what way do you think the referendum was going to swing?
2: I don't know. And I think people think that it's a given that they're going to vote yes because there was a secessionist war, or partly secessionist war. Um, But actually, like... Some of the schools we visited, the kids in the schools with students are genuinely worried about their futures, about getting jobs, and they know they they know that the economic impact independence will have, and there's a lot of uncertainty. So I think the only way to know is to have a referendum. Well, yeah. I guess we'll find out in a couple of years and see. see yeah, what happens.
0: yeah. We will. So there'll be a part two very least Women years 2020. Yeah. Well,
1: it feels weird to thank you for your interview so I I'm not going d- It to. is weird that I've been a
2: guest on my own show. <laughs> I um, will. Thanks
0: very much. Um and thanks for my gorgeous bowl that you brought back from uh, oh, Bougainville as well. Please. Oh, yeah, really and my, nice bowl my sport on that you uh, got me. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, it's lovely on my bookcase.
1: Thanks for listening listeners. You've been listening to Various List Women on Resonance 104.4 FM. Uh please like us on Facebook and follow us on, follow us on Twitter at VLW Radio. Next week we're delighted to have on our last show of the season tampon tax campaigner laura corrigan discussing why tampons are not a luxury good
2: um and we're going to leave you with what track is it lily uh so this is Kit Kat Tessol, which means that's all by the Kit Kat flute band which is also a band that no longer exists in bougainville but there are many other bamboo bands that you should google that's it thanks very much for listening bye yeah. bye see bye. you next week
0: For full versions of our shows, check out veryloosewomen.wordpress.com. This program was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24-7 broadcasts. Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.